Well, I like some of the old hymns. You know, they're, uh, I, I love the new, but there's just, uh, and there's one that's near and dear to my heart, and uh, I'm going to endeavor not to sing it to you tonight, okay? <laughs> but it's, it says, tell me the story yes. of Jesus. Yes. Right on my heart, every, every word. Yes. Because it is so awesome. And we serve, we serve a beautiful Savior. Yes, one that loves us beyond measure. Amen. So tonight I'm going to kind of take you on a journey to Jerusalem. I want you to go to John chapter 12. We're going to look at some things. One, one thing that you learn right off the bat, when you start reading Scripture and you go and say, well, I'm going to start in, in uh, Matthew and I'm going to read straight through and that will be chronologically correct. It's not. So, anyway, I think that's one reason that uh, I like Proverbs uh, 25 and 2 that, you know, he, he likes to uh, have us search scripture. And so tonight we're going to go on a search. We're going on a journey. But in John 12, verse 1, says, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who, who or was who, had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, and there they made him a supper, and Martha served. Now that, that's surprising, isn't it? You know, Martha serving? You know, we've heard a few messages on that. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him, and then Mary took a pound of very costly oil, a spikenard, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance yes. of oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but me you do not have always and we we look at that setting and and I love Mary and Martha and Lazarus because these were the real close intimate friends with Jesus and so I wonder if if I ask you a question why uh were they stopped over at Mary and Martha and Lazarus's house where was Jesus going 
Where was he going? It's okay. You can answer this one. You'll, you'll get it right, I'm sure. Where was Jesus and the disciples going? Jerusalem. Okay. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. So where would they celebrate the Passover? Jerusalem? Yeah. Yeah. All right. And so they're on the way. And I like the, if you, you can, you can tell people by their actions. Martha loved to serve. Mary loved to worship Mm -hmm. and, and love on Jesus. And Lazarus, I mean, he's got this new, new and deeper love now for Jesus because he raised him from the dead. So, but anyway, they're, they're headed to Jerusalem. Why were they going to Jerusalem this time? Don't make me preach this by myself. <laughs> just, just guess. They, he was going because he had been telling them throughout Scripture, he said, I have to go to Jerusalem because I have to die. That's right. And and they never he told that many, many times to them, but even though they heard it, they never really heard it. Yeah. And so we we look at this and then I want you to go to uh John fourteen because they're there. Uh there was a, a ministry. Martha ministered to Jesus's flesh, Mary ministered to his deity, and Lazarus just loved on Jesus. But now I want you to go to John chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. Now, just for a moment, when was he going to go? When was he going to go and to prepare the place for the Christians, for those that the Old Testament Christians and the the New Testament saints and all of that? Uh, When and, and where and what was going on? And we find out that even though Jesus talked to them very plainly, they didn't understand it. They wanted not only to hear it, but they wanted Jesus to understand it for them. Yeah. And, and that doesn't work. And so he says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And so we start thinking. We, we judge Scripture by that that we have read, by that that we have experienced, and so we've always heard that these, this is a talking about, you know, uh, when, when we all get to heaven and, and all of this stuff. But we're going to find out and we're going to go on a journey. And verse 25, he says that you can fill in the blanks that I don't read you tonight. But this is, this is very interesting. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, 
He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. And automatically we think about the second coming of Christ after he's, you know, after he goes through all of his sufferings and all that. And so this is talking about the second coming of Christ. But there's, there's more to the story than that. Mm-hmm. He says, and now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. Yes. I told you before it happens. I want you to understand. Now we're going to look at the, the first part of that scripture again. 14, let your... Let not your heart be troubled. In my Father's house are many mansions. We really don't fully understand that because a long time I fell in love with log cabins. And somebody wrote a song that was anti-cabin. Lord, you know, uh, I want a mansion in glory land. And so we look at that and, and we think we know. And I always said, Lord, I just want a cabin in the corner somewhere. But, you know, uh, that's, that's my liking. But he says, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again to receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Could it be that he is telling the disciples, you know what, there are some things that I have to take care of before we can do all of the, these other things that Scripture talks about prophetically way in the future and all that. He says, right now, this is going to take place. And he said, I don't want your, your heart to be troubled. You, if you believe in God, you believe in me also. In my Father's house are many mansions. And I would have told you so, so I go to prepare a place for you. So what if Jesus... Our concept of Jesus is that he's, he's building apartments or mansions up in heaven, and when somebody gets saved, you know, well, okay, I've got to build another mansion and, and all of this stuff. But let's look at what he's trying to tell them. Okay. I want you to go to John 16 and verse 16. And he's talking about the, the heading in, in my scripture. It's sorrow will turn to joy. Now Jesus very plainly he says, A little while and you will not see me. Now he's, he's telling them. He's, he's with them. He, I mean he is pouring his very life into the disciples. Those that are going to come and to establish the church and all that. He says, now, you will in a little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, you will see me, because I go to the Father. He has to go to the Father. Why does, why does Jesus have to go to the Father? Yeah. Come on. Why, why does he have to? Because he has to present the, the 
well, how, how can I say it? He has to present his blood because that is the only way that you and I can have a, re- a relationship with the Father is that he goes, that he goes to the cross, that he's buried, he's resurrected. He's got to go to the Father and so that he can, you know, present his blood, the, the offering, the redemption offering, or however you want to call it. And uh, he said, I'm, I'm telling you guys this while I'm still with you. So we look. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, Anytime you start talking among yourselves, uh, just hope you're not the smartest one in the room. Okay, we'll leave it there. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, What is this that he says to us? A little while. I mean, that's not hard. And you will not see me. And again, in a little while, and you will see me because I go to the Father. So he's telling them right now, this is going to happen within the next six to seven days, all right? Then some of the disciples, you know, they're, they're talking about themselves. They said, therefore, well, what is it that he says a little while? We do not know what he is saying. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, And he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves? (laughs) That Jesus has a sense of humor. All right. And about what I said, a little while, and you will not see me, and again, a little while, you will see me. Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. Now, guess where this is really headed? Uh, when, uh, you know, when it's, it's, it's not talking about the second coming of Christ, okay? And uh, so we, we look at it, and he says, I just tell you that you will weep and lament. Why would the disciples weep? What is, what is in the imminent future? to take place his crucifixion and he's going to be buried in the grave and that's about all they know but they really don't even know that yet but the world will rejoice and that's exactly what happened and you will be sorrowful but your sorrow will be turned into joy yes amen Then 21, it talks about a woman and labor and all that. So let's just go down to 22. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. Hallelujah. So he's talking about, he says, I am fixing to go they're going to hand me over to different people and I'm going to hand my spirit over to the Father and, and I'm going to lay down my life. I'm not going to be killed by the soldiers or whatever. He said, I'm laying my life down. Nobody takes my life from me. And, and he talks about that. And so he's just saying, you will be sorrowful. And because we already know the Easter 
sermon forward and backwards and sideways and all that. He just, he just says, now you will have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. If we're talking about the second coming, there's some people that's not going to be happy to see Jesus. Yeah, that's true. And so we have to look. He is talking about, I'm going into the grave and that is where the enemy makes his mistake. Satan, you lose. That's right. Saints, you win. Amen. Didn't I tell you in Scripture that the gates of hell shall not prevail? And that is yes. a word Amen. for us today. Amen. Satan, Praise you lose. Amen. We the saints, we win. Amen. And let me tell you, when, when we start seeing the winning, the supernatural power of God coming down from glory into the things that are happening right now, I promise you our joy will never be taken from us because we're just waiting for God to do something. But you know what? He's waiting for us to do something. So going back to the disciples though, uh, John 20, 28 Jesus has gone. They have put him in the tomb. He's there. Satan is rejoicing. He, he thinks he has done something awesome. Yeah. He and his army of demons and all of that, they are rejoicing because Jesus died on the cross, laid his life down. Now he's in the tomb. But Satan doesn't really want to see Jesus in the tomb because that's where his doom is about to come and be pronounced on him because Satan was handed over the dominion of the earth yes. by Adam and Eve. But that's all changing Amen. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together. The other disciple outrun Peter and came to the tomb first. And he stooping down, looking in, saw the linen cloth lying there. Yet he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter, he came, following him, went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloth lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around Jesus' head, not laying where the linen cloth, or with the linen cloth, but folded together in a place by itself. If you know the tradition of the Jewish people, 
when they were reclining at the table and they were they were having suppers or celebrations or whatever, that when one of the guests needed to excuse himself for a moment, he would take that that table or that uh, cloth, and it you know it for wiping of the hands and the mouth and things like that. And if they were going to not come back, they would just kind of throw it over on the table and then they would exit and leave. But the tradition was if you are coming back, you fold. You fold that napkin. And that is exactly what Peter saw. He didn't know what he saw, but he saw what he saw. And we look at that and we rejoice because Jesus was dropping all kinds of hints all over the place. And he would even talk to them plainly. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also and saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture. Yet Jesus was teaching them in the synagogues and all that, he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood out by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had Lane. Mm-hmm. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but didn't know it was Jesus. Yeah. That's, that, that's kind of strange, don't you think? I mean, she had traveled with Jesus for about three years at least, and she doesn't recognize, and Jesus even speaks to her something. I like to think it was deep sorrow, but there was something that Jesus didn't want them, you know, to recognize him right away. I don't know. Because that goes on the road to Emmaus, and Cleo, and and Miss Cleo, they didn't recognize Jesus until he broke the bread. Then they recognized. Then, let's see. Now, when she had said this, she turned around, saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, If you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Now, Mary, you know, she wasn't one of those women wrestlers or anything like that, but she loved her Lord so much that she was going to do whatever was necessary to get him into a safe place. And I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary... And she turned, and she said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Mm-hmm. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, 
for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending. Now, I mean, this is what is being told to them. Okay, when she gets there, I am ascending to my Father and your Father. And I like that. He was going to his Father and who's who else? Ours. (laughs) That's exciting. That's right. That's inclusive. Amen. My Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Did they believe her? No. Uh-uh. Now I want you to look at verse 19. It says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when was Mary in the garden, in the tomb? That morning, right? Jesus tells her very plainly, I have to, don't, don't hang on to me. Don't touch me because I haven't presented the, the ransom, the payment for sin to be destroyed and for our salvations. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples were glad. Mm-hmm. said, You're going to sorrow but you're going to see me, and when you see me, your joy, it's going to be turned to joy, and no one can take that away from you. Mm-hmm. Peace be with you. Yeah. And he said this. He showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, Where'd he been all day? With the Father. Mm -hmm. As the Father has sent me, I also am sending you. That's us. That was them. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Yes. And we look at that, and that was their marching orders. Yes. The same day. Now I want you to go to Hebrews. Hebrews 9. Now I said that he had to go. He didn't want her to hug him or fall at his feet and hang on to him or touch him to defile him. But it says in Hebrews 9 and 12. It says, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. Yeah. He entered the most holy place. Yes. And let me tell you, when he did that, man, you talk yeah. about, I think he may have got a little bit homesick there, but he, he came so that we could have life and have it to the, full, the fullest. 
Yes. And with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained our eternal redemption. Oh, hallelujah. Wow. Hallelujah. So we, we look at that, and I want you to go to Ephesians. Okay? Ephesians 4 and 9. This is talking about when he descended into the lower parts. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who also descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Fulfill all things. John 12, 31. This is the anointing of Bethany. We started there. And he just says, Now, now, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Wow. That's God. That's what He's doing. That's what He did 2,000 years ago. Yes. Now is. Now we need to go to Daniel. Daniel chapter 7. This, when He went to the Father, this is some scenes that took place. You see, we think Daniel is all prophecy, foretelling, and all of that. It is, but there's still, where had Jesus been all day? He had been with the Father. Mm -hmm. He says, And I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. Who's the Ancient of Days? Jesus. Father. The Father. Okay? And so... They are entering into a courtroom. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from him, and a thousand thousand ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him, and the court was seated. And so in the courtroom is Satan, it is Jesus, it is the Ancient of Days, Father God, and it's the saints. How did the saints get there? When Jesus descended into the lower parts of the earth, he went and he preached to the captive. You see, there was two compartments. One was for the the righteous dead, those that by faith had, had kept the commandments and all that. And then there was those in the other compartment that they were the unrighteous. And so Jesus goes down and he takes them out. He preaches to them and he leads them out of what we call Sheol. Now we need to go over to... Um, Hebrews 
we've heard this scripture a lot of times. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, I want, I want you to look at that scripture for a moment. What, what, do, you, what do you think? What, what has your theology and, and your reading of scripture over the years, what does, what does that mean to you? What does that say to you? Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and it's talking about keeping the faith. So Jesus, when they were in the courtroom with the Father, he had taken these saints with him. And now he's talking about, all right, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, sometimes we thought, well, maybe he's talking about the saints, the, the Old Testament saints and all that. So we need to go over to, uh, go back to chapter 11. And it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And then scripture starts, by faith. It's talking about Abel. Uh, by faith, Enoch. Okay. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. For he waited for the city which was or has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself. And so I really, as I, I read that and as I did some research on it, I don't think he's talking about that, that all of these are standing there around and looking down, you know, down into on earth and seeing what we're doing. But I, I, it, this is what it says. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Mm -hmm. Witnesses. When you minister, when you share, when you help somebody, you are being a witness of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so we, we look at this. He judged them faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, now it says there in verse 13, it says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them from afar off, assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. And truly, if they had been called to mind the country from which they had come out, they would have opportunity to return. By faith, Abraham, and it goes Jacob. By faith, Moses. keeps on. It keeps on going. But then, by faith, they overcome. And I want you to look at uh, Hebrews 11, and uh, starting at verse 34, said they, Quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, 
that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourges. Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered about in deserts, mountains, in dens, caves of the earth, and all these having obtained a good testimony, a witness through faith, did not receive the promise. But God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Therefore, we are surrounded. I love how, how Scripture said yeah. they were, the, word, the, the world wasn't even worthy of these saints yeah, that were, were treated like this and all of that. And so we look and what it's encouraging us to do is to refresh our minds about those that were faithful, those that, that were, they received the promise, the others that didn't, but we all are going to be perfect together. And that's exciting. So it doesn't matter what we experience here on earth because of the death, burial of Jesus, of Jesus Christ, we have this glorious story that we can experience and we look forward to it and like I said these witnesses are encouraging us to verse 2 of 12 says looking unto Jesus the author finisher of our faith for whom the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Yes. Go back to Daniel. And it says, And I was watching in the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven who came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all people's nations' languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. And then we look at, at verse 17. It says, those great beasts, which are four. And it explains a, a little bit about what they are and how that. It says, verse 18, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom, possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Then drop down to verse 21. And I was watching... And the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the ancients of day and a judgment was made in favor 
of the saints of Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. And he looked. There was Satan. There was his son with the blood. And then there were the saints. And he looked at Satan. Satan, you lose. Yeah. Saints, Amen. we win. Hallelujah. That's why he kept saying throughout Scripture, we have overcome. I have overcome Hallelujah. the world and you Jesus. will overcome the world if we will continue to rehearse it and to remind ourselves of the stories of Jesus and all that they went through and all that they experienced. It's awesome. So when you get kind of you know tired and weary, go to Hebrews 12 and you look at the witnesses who are encouraging us. Let me tell you, it's worth it all. And there's not a one of us that's been chased around in a, in a, a sheep skin by lions or anything else or we hadn't been challenged by sword or whatever. We are America and we are to stand up. We are to stand up. And how do we do that in these last days? We do it by 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. And we need to know what's going on in our America. Because we are involved. Things that are going to take place will take place because the church has stood up from 64 right on up till now. We have kind of fallen asleep on the watch, but there are some things that it's, it's going to not only change our world, it'll rock our world yes. if we don't do 2 Corinthians 10. Yes, Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Spirit. Because the people that are in charge right now, they are protected <coughs> by a, a circle of demonic. They're hedged in by the demonic. That is the only way they can accomplish what they're doing right now. But the church is awakening and God is going to come and he says, I'm going to show you something that man couldn't do. Watch me. Keep our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith. He's not through. He's not through. Praise God. Father, we thank you. We thank you for all that has been accomplished throughout the ages. I thank you that you loved us so much that you gave us your son that he could come down, that he would endure the cross, and that he would make a way that we could have a relationship with you, Father. In your precious name. Oh, we think on those things. We think about the witnesses, their testimonies. And they minister to us. And we in turn are to minister to others as we're being encouraged. Because we win. We win. But we have to show up.
We love you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.